Okay. Okay, here we go. Overcoming envy. But if ye have bitter envying and strife. Now notice, notice what is bitter. Envy is bitter before God. We think that strife is really bad. But envy is bitter before God. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. James 3, verses 14 through 16. Okay, you may be seated. So, we're going to try to pick up where Pastor left off, and we're going to try to make it through the points. Pastor gave me permission to go longer than necessary, or longer than usual, if we need to, to finish up. So, look out. We'll hope that I don't need to do that. But this scripture... If you have bitter envying, envy is bitter. We know that we're not supposed to have even a root of bitterness in our hearts. So envy is bitterness and strife. Glory not, lie not against the truth. Envy and strife, it causes confusion and Every evil work. That tells me, you know how the love of money is the root of all evil? Well, so is envy. Envy causes confusion. We have to overcome it. The thing is, lie not against the truth. Now, I don't want to add to, take away, or distort what the meaning of the word of God may be. To me... So I will put it this way. To me, the reason that we lie against the truth there is I lie to myself. Oh, I'm not jealous of them. I'm not envious of them. Oh, I'm really happy for them. Hogwash. I'm lying. My heart of hearts, I'm thinking they did not deserve that. If God really knew, just saying, I didn't write that. I'm not James. I didn't write it. I'm not Peter. I'm not Paul. I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I didn't write the word. So I'm not accountable for what it says. But somewhere in there with envy and strife, there's lying. So, okay, so we're going to pick up with number eight. Turn envy into appreciation. One of the ways for us to overcome envy is to turn our envy into appreciation. To overcome envy, it's it's important for us to appreciate what we have. Now, not just appreciate what we already have. That, to me, kind of insinuates that, well, you know, I really appreciate this burgundy notebook i already have this but man when i get the black one i'm really gonna like it 
my house that I have now is fine. But man, when I get that house up on top of Granddad's Bluff, it's going to be so awesome. What I have is fine. But look what I'm going to get. No, I need to appreciate what I have. Not in anticipation of what else I'm going to get, but just what I have. I need to be thankful for my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Not in anticipation that tomorrow I'll have steak and baked potatoes. I need to be thankful for what I have. When we envy, we cannot be thankful. It's kind of like light and darkness. They can't abide in the same place. Oh, I'm just so thankful for this half a glass of water. No, you're really not. You wish you had a full glass. Personally, I'm just thankful I have a glass. (laughs) So, we may not realize it, but envy closes the door to the very presence of God in our lives. God inhabits the praises of his people. So if I'm not giving him thanks, I'm not giving him praise. All I'm doing really is giving him lip service. So if he inhabits the praises of his people, the opposite is also true. If I'm full of envy, I'm not praising him, so his presence is absence from my life. It's like that proverbial dog chasing its tail. I wonder why I I feel so void in my life, why I'm never satisfied, why I never have that joy, why I never have that fulfillment. It's because I don't appreciate what God has given me. I'm really not thankful. I'm always looking for the next. Gratitude is built on a substructure of trust. What do I mean by that? I have to ask myself, do I fully trust the Lord to give me what he knows is best for me? I didn't get the promotion at work. Somebody else got it. Not right. Don't they know? Doesn't God know how much I work? Doesn't he know? That I'm faithful to him. Doesn't he know? Because really that's what I'm saying. I'm blaming the man behind the desk. But really what I'm saying is, I didn't get that job. Don't they know? Really what I'm saying is, doesn't God know? I'm not trusting God. So, thankfulness. Gratitude is built on the substructure of trust. Do I fully trust the Lord to do what he knows is best in my life? Or do I compare myself and what I receive and get to others, thus becoming envious and unappreciative of the blessings that God has given me, is giving me, and continues to give me. Because I'm so blinded by what I perceive that I'm shortchanged of. 
A way to become envious very quickly is to compare myself to others. When we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. When I compare myself to you, to anyone, it never comes out with me on the top. Somehow, I'll always come out lacking. It closes the door of gratitude. Are you able to freely give thanks? Are you able to freely express thanks to God and to other people? Thank you so much for doing that for me. Thank you for holding the door open for me. Thank you for, thank you for, thank you for, thank you for. How many people did you thank today for a big thing and a little thing? Or was it, well, that's fine. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that'll be all right. If thank you sticks right here in your throat and you can't quite get it out, you have a heart issue. And there's somewhere down in your heart that there's bitterness. The bitterness of envy. And you need to overcome it. Work on thanking. Thanking the Lord. Turn your envy into appreciation. Work on truly developing a sense of happiness and joy. Express sincere adoration and thanksgiving to others. Congratulations on the new car. I am so happy for you. Wow, I'm excited for you that you got the new home. Oh, whoa, you got a promotion? How wonderful. Oh, I've never been able to have children. I'm so excited for you that you're going to have a baby. You must be like over the top excited. I don't know why God would give them a baby. Doesn't he know about them? That's envy. I don't know why God gives them a nice house. Doesn't he know that they're slobs? Doesn't he know that they're... That's envy. Romans 12:15 tells us to rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. We love to weep with them that weep. I tell you that every time I teach. Well, not every time, but almost. We like to weep with those that weep. But man, when it comes to rejoicing with those that rejoice, sometimes we have a problem. Well, it's because of envy. Maybe I don't like it when you get the new and the best. That's envy. In Samuel, when the people attributed to David greater victories than Saul, Saul became envious. And from that day forward, his attitude changed. 
The Bible says that he eyed David. And the next verse says that an evil spirit came upon him. And he set forth to kill and to destroy David. Another scripture reference that came to my mind was with Daniel. They were so envious, somehow, something, that they set him up. Thank you. Did you read my notes? (laughs) They set him up. And then, in the end, though, who was it that was destroyed? The people with the envy. And not just the people with the envy, but the whole family of the people with the envy. So I have to guard my heart. Because the bitterness of envy in my heart is going to destroy the generations after me. I don't know about you, but I take that serious. Everything that I think, do, say, and act upon affects the generations that follow me. The way that I stand for God affects Miriam and Jesse, even though they don't live in my home. It affects my children and my grandchildren. If I have bitterness, envy, if I have that in my heart, it can destroy them. So I have to get it out. Proverbs 14.30 tells us that envy is rottenness in our bones. It'll eat us from the inside out. Think about bone cancer. I've heard that it's one of the most painful kinds of cancer there is. Don't know, don't want to know. But that's what I've heard. Well, envy is maybe comparable to that. So, we can get that envious spirit out by developing a spirit of thanksgiving. We'll talk about that again again in a minute. Live by your own definition of success. What is your measuring stick of success? Is it the house you live in? The car you drive? The job you have? How about your bank account? The spouse you're married to? The girl you're dating? The guy you're dating? The the degrees you've earned? You know, all the alphabet letters after your name? Or the alphabet letters after your spouse's name. The, you know, rank that was on your military collar. The, I don't know. What is your measuring stick of success? Hmm? Okay, your name. Your name. Okay, that'll probably tie in here. Success, no, just one second. Your success, it's in knowing that. I went one too fast. We'll go take that off. These are all measuring sticks that the world has. Your car, your status, 
your degree. I'm not knocking having a nice car, a nice home, a degree. I'm not knocking any of that. But they're all temporal measuring sticks. You can be at the top of the pay chart today and at the bottom of the food chart tomorrow. None of it is concrete and none of it is set. They change as quickly as the tides. I mean, used to be, used to be, back in the day, a few generations ago, if you graduated from high school, you had made it. And then all of a sudden, graduating from high school wasn't enough. Then you had to graduate from four years of college. But if you graduated from four years of college, I mean, you were like, you were on the road. You had made it. But no, that's not enough. Then you had to get a master's degree. But that's not enough. Now you have to have two master's degrees and a doctorate. And uh, I, brain, I don't know what else you have to have. But that's not success. Great, wonderful, fine if you decide to do that, but that's not success. That just means that you decided to go to school and get an education. But that's not success. I'm not knocking education. I'm not knocking an alphabet line after your name. But that's not success. Because God can give you Alzheimer's tomorrow and all of that knowledge is gone. It's not success. The only thing, there will always be someone with a bigger house than you, a shinier car, with more bells, more whistles, and a louder horn. There will always be somebody with a bigger paycheck than you. There will always be somebody with a few more dollars or a lot more dollars in their bank account. A spouse that appears to be better simply because beauty is only skin deep and you don't live with that person. And or a higher education or they graduated from a more prestigious school than you. There will always be someone that you do not measure up to on the success ladder. Always. That's life. Get ready for it. Success is knowing that I am who Christ would have me to be and doing what he would have me to do. That's it, period, end of sentence. So it would go hand in hand with your name. Right. No, 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 no. That's why I said it will, that, that's why I said it will tie into this. And so that's why I didn't. I didn't go on more with it because I knew it was going to tie in. Who you are in Christ, that's your measuring stick of success. If if we worry less about society, I knew what you meant. I, I knew what you meant. No, I knew what you meant. If we worry less about society's standards for success and focus instead on who and what Christ would have us be. Like I said, I'm not knocking I like my red car. I like the fact that it has a few bells and whistles on it. I enjoy my home. I enjoy my cricket machine. I enjoy my craft supplies. I enjoy I enjoy a lot of things, but they're not my measuring stick of success. 
because they could all be gone tomorrow. It's who I am in Christ. Am I being who he would have me be? That's my measuring stick of success. It's the only way that I will learn contentment in life. Even within the family of God, all of us are at different places in our lives, different stages in our lives. And we need to be growing closer to where he would have us be. But we can't be measuring ourselves among ourselves because age doesn't have anything to do with it. Unfortunately, how long we've been in the church doesn't even really have anything to do with it because sometimes it doesn't. I have a, a little wooden plaque on a wall, one of the walls in a bedroom in my home, and it says, Happiness is a journey, not a destination. It's a continual journey. No one thing will ever make you grateful or fulfill you. Thing. Notice I said thing. Only contentment in Jesus will do that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Remember, life is not a series of boxes that we simply check off every day, week, month, year. It's a life that we live in Christ. Joshua 7 verses Joshua 1 verses 7 through 9 tells us to be strong and very courageous to observe the law and not turn left or right from it and then we will prosper. Excuse me. We're not there yet. There's some more you have to do before you get that. And when we don't let the word or the law depart out of our mouth and we meditate on it and, 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 and we are obedient to it. It's not just enough for me to read the word, think about the word and say, oh, I love your word, God. Your word is so wonderful, God. Oh, it enriches my soul, God. All right, that was fun. I have to be obedient to it. Sometimes we kind of sort of forget that part or ignore that part or leave that part out. Observe to do according to all, all, all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then what will we be, brother? Success. We will have good success. I'm not going to have success just because I know the word of God. I'm going to have good success because I'm obedient to the word. I do the word. I have to live it. That's Sunday morning. Come back for that lesson. And then... Verse 9 says, this is a command, by the way. There's no option in this. You know, like when the drill sergeant used to say, Tinge, hunt, forward, march. I wasn't in the army, but they say that that's what they said. There was no option. All of those soldiers better move. 
They better. Am I right or wrong, soldiers in here that were? You had to move. This is a command. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou shalt go. So what do I have to be envious about? Nothing. God's promised me that if I'm obedient to his word, I'm going to prosper. And I'm going to have great success, good success. So there's nothing for me to be envious of. Okay, the next point on pastor's paper, number 10, was realize that you don't know the whole story. Now, we're still overcoming envy, right? A great way to overcome envy is to realize you don't know the whole story. The old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, that's really true. Do you know that my grandchildren, God bless their little trusting souls, think that we were always, always like we are right now? Older in a cupboard full of food? two vacuum cleaners and a beautiful home to live in, two cars to drive, and they they actually think that that you can't judge a book by its cover. Now, that's a good illusion, I think, because I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I just thought I'd throw that out there for extra measure. But it might look like a person has it all. It might look. Now, we're talking about envy here. And I can get really envious really fast if I think that you have it all. You have got it all together. Every hair is always in place. The smile is always perfect. Your little perfect children march up the aisle perfectly and they sit in the little pew together. And you all stand in synchronization and you all sit in synchronization and life is just perfect. You have the perfect job, eight to five, and you earn a million dollars a year. Your children all get straight A's. They never sash you. They never cause you a bit of trouble. You attend the perfect church. The music is always on key. The pastor always preaches the perfect message. The, of course, we all should think that anyway, but you live in the perfect home. You you fill in the blanks. What makes you envy the person that you perceive has the perfect life? Because we all have that one person. 
at least one, that we go, I do I want to call on true confessions? Yes. Right. We're going to we're going to get there, but but life is life. And it happens to us all. You can't judge a book by its cover. Life is life and it happens to us all. Even in the most perfect home, even if those homes had huge, beautiful, gated Homes with a Humvee and a sports car and a boat and a yacht and a you name it. Guess what? The toilets still need to be flushed and they still have to be cleaned. Life happens. Life is life. And it happens to us all. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. We all have our mountaintops and we all have our valleys. There is probably more to every story. Probably more than what Facebook shows you. Social media is one of the biggest breeding grounds for envy that you can have. And the next one that would be close in line is the old gossip chain telephone line. For those of us that say, well, I'm not on Facebook, I'm not casting stones. I'm just saying that we all have our source of information. Guard your hearts. But in today's world, and listen to me, in today's world, social media breeds envy. There are children in, in the U.K. that are committing suicide over pictures that they see like that at the snap of a finger because they're judging other people's lives by a picture. Now, can I ask you, who in their right mind would display a picture of their home totally in disarray with the garbage can overflowing from whatever. Now, we did our birthday dinners with, you know, the birthday cake crumbs all over the table and everybody laughing and, the you know, singing happy birthday, but that's because we were having our party. But who in their right mind would post a picture on Facebook or Instagram or whatever else is out there, I don't even know, of their life in total honesty. Come on, let's do a selfie. Oh, come on, let's do a selfie. Okay, I got to get back to work now.
We're so quick to do. I have never seen so many fake smiles in my entire life. It gags me. I'm being honest. Thank you for a sincere smile. Everybody's posed. We line up the little children in their perfect little thing. And, you know, we used to do that once a year for the Christmas picture. Now they do it every every picture. And they, you know, and they hold out their selfie thing and they get it just perfect and, you know, put on their fake. And then I am foolish enough to think that this is life in reality. And then the ones I really like are... I'm sorry, I'm going to meddle. The ones I really like are, well, he's not on Facebook, but oh, my husband loves me so much. Thank you, sweetheart, for the flowers. Click, 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 click. I'm just doing that for myself. I want everybody to know how perfect my life is. It's a facade. Do you know why we pull our curtains? So that we have privacy. Well, Facebook just kind of lets you see the part of life, Instagram, whatever. Social media just lets you see the part of life that people want you to see. And that's fine. I'm not saying that we should post the pictures that are inappropriate and with the trash cans overflowing and all that. No, I don't want to see your trash. Really, I don't want to see your trash. There's enough out there that I see that I don't want to see. What I'm saying is don't become envious over the perfect person's perfect life because their life is like your life. It's life. Life happens to us all. There's good days. There's not quite as good days. But in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. Don't envy the person. No one has a perfect life. Unless they're right with God and they die and then they've gone to the perfect life. Oh, that's a whole other Bible study. Didn't get any amens on that one. Whoa, okay. Okay, don't fall into the trap of thinking that you know the whole story. The half has never yet been told. Don't we sing that? No, I'm just being facetious. Be happy for them. Comment with your little smiley emoticon. And then go back to your life of reality. And be content with what God has blessed you with. Pastor suggests in your notes that if you are a social media junkie, that you go without it for a week. And see if you feel better, less bitter, and less envious. And so if you're not a social media junkie, maybe you need to try whatever else maybe makes you envious talking to certain people on the phone, getting that gossip chain of whatever from whomever into your, you know, this connects right down in. It kind of goes down in. And I know it does. I know that this goes right down in because I have grandchildren that I never met until six weeks after they were born. But because I talked to their moms on the phone, they knew my voice. So I know that it just feeds right down in. So, but... Take a, take a fast from it and just see. 
Not getting a lot of amens on that one either. So compliment five people every day. That's, that's point number 11. Complimenting those people that we envy will help remove envy from our lives. You can't be sincerely complimentary towards someone, thankful for them, thankful some, for something about them, and envious at the same time. Thankfulness is the gateway to open relationships and the free flow. The same way that God inhabits the praises of his people, when I'm thanking you and appreciative to you, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me when I thank a total stranger for something they've done or compliment a total stranger, they smile. That's a free flow of a relationship. You can't sincerely be complimentary towards a person and be envious at them at the same time. Sincerely. Superficially, yes. Sincerely, no. As I said earlier, it's that free flow. I praise him. His love and joy flows. I pass it on to you. And then there's a flow in the relationship this way. So it's like this. It's a free flow of a relationship. Some of us have to learn to say thank you. Some of us have to learn to express gratitude and thankfulness. We live in a very unappreciative time in life, in society. And, and we also... kind of have bottled up this thankfulness for so long that the cork is stuck. And it almost hurts to, you know, to get it out. Well, they know that I'm thankful for that. No, no, they don't. How do they? When's the last time that you sent someone a a note of thanks? When's the last time that you said words of thanks to someone? Thank you so much. For When's the last time that you looked at the church calendar? Don't do it this month. But when's the last time that you looked at the church calendar to see who was cleaning the church so you could enjoy clean floors and a clean toilet and went to that person and said, thank you so much. The church looks awesome. When's the last time you went to the person and said, thank you so much for mowing the lawn? Thank you, Pastor, for a wonderful sermon today. Thank you, Sunday school teachers, for teaching our children. Thank you for... in the blank. Make it a habit to sincerely thank people and then compliment people. Do you know the difference between complimenting a person and complimenting a thing? 
Oh, I'm going to pick on you tonight. You're my pick person tonight. Oh, I love your shirt. Your T-shirt is just so cute. I did nothing to compliment her. You look so nice in that T-shirt. So yesterday in the shirt I had on, I looked like dog meat? Or what's the deal? I have done nothing to compliment her. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've complimented her shirt. I have gone up to this shirt and said, Shirt, you are absolutely stunning! Because without the shirt, I didn't... You have wonderful taste in clothing. That gray brings out the blush in your cheeks. Oh, bro, awesome tie. And I'm guilty too. I do it and then think, who cares about the tie? We compliment stuff. We need to compliment people. We need to build up people. Because someday the stuff will be gone. It's the people that matter. I really try to discipline myself to never tell my grandchildren that they look beautiful in that outfit or that dress or that whatever. You make that dress look awesome. Because it's them that I want to compliment. So compliment, thank five people every day for the next month. Take time to think about what you are going to say to the person and then express it verbally to them. Send some notes. You'll see how it changes you. And it'll make you more appreciative and remove envy from your life. So the summary, we may not even have to go over time. Then again, we might. Who knows? Envy oftentimes stems from feelings of inadequacy in a person's life. Feelings of inadequacy make me focus on other people's strengths or their possessions and the things that I perceive that I lack myself. I might be envious because you can sing beautifully because I perceive that I can't sing beautifully. I might be envious because I you can, I don't know, fill in the blank. I was always envious of all the short people because I obviously was not short. And then I found out that the short people were envious because I was tall. (laughs) Go figure. But I thought that being tall was, I felt inadequate because I was so tall and gangly as a child. So 
I was envious of all those little short people. And all those little short people. So, but it was my own inadequacies, my own feelings of inadequacy. I feel like I come up short, so then I envy the other person. And I have to put that at rest. And it makes me ungrateful for how God made me. If everybody did everything the same, who would do the rest of it? We're not cookie cutters. We are all unique individuals. Philippians 4.13. We can all, I bet you, quote this one. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Okay. This is probably one scripture that is quoted most often out of context than any scripture in the Bible. The apostle did say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He was talking about running through the troop and jumping over the wall and leaping and beating all the enemies. He was talking about conquering the world. He was talking about working hard. He was talking about, right? Because that's how we use it. We're facing a trial. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I'm tough in Jesus. Nope. Not what he was talking about. Go back. You have to read verses 11 and 12. He was actually talking about contentment. Contentment, discontentment, envy is bitterness. And it is one of the biggest giants that you will face in your life. Verses 11 and 12 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. I know how, both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Then he goes on and he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So what he is talking about there is learning to be Content. Learning to be content at where I am. Whether I have macaroni and cheese to eat or whether I have hot dogs to put in my macaroni and cheese as I eat them, I am content. Whether I live in a 400-square-foot home or a 4,000-square-foot home. Therewith be content. Whether I drive a or a, therewith be content. It's all temporal anyway. Both to be a base and how to abound. What matters is who am I in Christ? 
I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I will be thankful for the bounty, and I will be thankful for even for less. I will not envy those with more than I have. You know what, though? Even if I can afford it, because I am of the belief that if God gives me whatever, he will provide me the finances to afford it. So I will not envy those with the mansion on the hillside. I will rejoice. I was in a home in California. It was featured in Better Homes and Gardens. It was beautiful. And I was humbled as a missionary that they invited me to their home for a fellowship. I was like, whoa, this place is beautiful. I was so excited to think that God's people are blessed to this measure. And I still think of that and think, wow. I rejoice with them. They are faithful children of God. I rejoice with them. I don't envy them. I boast with them. They don't boast. If you met them in the middle of the church service, you never would know that they're millionaires times however many times a millionaires. You'd never know it. They're some of the most humble people. But I rejoice with them. I don't envy them. And I don't boast when I abound. I'm content with wherever I am. When I am abiding in Christ and trusting fully in him, he gives me the strength to overcome envy and to be content. So to sum it all up, to me, the key to overcoming envy is to learn godliness with contentment. Until we learn godliness with contentment, obeying God's word, being God-like, and contentment with what he has given me. And how he has made me. And who he has made me. And why he has made me. And his plan for me. Tall, short. Married, single. No children, 500 children. Whatever his, whatever his plan for me. A job that pays minimum wage or a job that pays Whatever. Godliness with contentment. Being obedient to his word. That's when I will overcome envy. And stop comparing myself. Envy comes when I compare myself to other people. Godliness with contentment. Okay? So we have a few announcements. That concludes... Our lesson, oh, anybody want to quote the scripture now?